Genesis chapter 2. It's where we're going to start, not where we're going to end. And really, I just want us to capture a thought from this passage this morning, and then we'll move on with our, our message today. It's good to see you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, and God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, and certainly today, Lord, you've laid upon my heart a sensitive subject, something that many of us struggle with, but God, we're not very willing to discuss it. And so, Father, I pray that you would step forward and use my lips in a way that would encourage your children today. God, in a way that would draw sinners to the Savior. God, in a way that would really impact our lives. God, I pray that you be honored and glorified through the time that we have in your word. God, I love you. I thank you and I praise you. All of this in advance. In the precious name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for his sake, amen. This morning I want to talk to you about something that we've all dealt with before. And it's quite, I'm quite certain that we'll deal with it again as long as we have breath. And I just want us to catch a concept here from Genesis chapter 2 in verse number 18. Notice with me again. The Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Stop. It is not good that man should be alone. In fact, when we look at this passage, the first thing, when we think about God's created order, the first thing that caught God's eye was man's loneliness. He looked around at all the things that he had created, all the things that had been established, the stars in their sockets, and certainly we know from uh, Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God. And he looked around, and then he looked, and he saw man, and he said, it is not good that man should be alone. Hence, the follow-up, I will step in. I will step in and I will create a helpmeet for him because he will be no good on his own. God looked and he saw that loneliness was a problem. It was something that would plague Adam. He hadn't given Adam at this point a significant, uh, a, a too terribly difficult job. He was tend to tend the garden. And yet he had created beast of the field and fowl of the air and on and on we know. And he had created male and female and of all of these things. And then he looked at man and he said, it's not good. It's not good that he should be alone. And that word alone there comes from the root word, baudad. And it actually means to divide or solitary. So what God was saying is that it wouldn't be good for man to be divided to be set aside as something that is solitary. And so he says, I'm going to intervene. I'm going to do something about man's loneliness. And so today, I want to talk to you about the topic of loneliness. Now, if I were to take a poll, and you were to be honest, within the last six months, within the last six months, if you have ever had a feeling of loneliness, raise your hand. Be honest. Raise it up high so everybody can see. Now, I want everybody to look around. Look around. You know what that tells me? You're not alone. Every one of us. And, and I'm guessing there were some who said, listen, this is my first time in a Baptist church, and I ain't raising my hand for nothing, <laughs> bro. Uh, 
I mean, the music is good, and I mean, the atmosphere feels comfortable. I mean, the heat's on. We got power here. It's great. But I don't know how you do things in your world, but in my world, I've never been to a church where the pastor said, raise your hand, so I ain't doing it. That may be you, and you may be the very person that God wants to speak to today about loneliness. Defined, the Oxford Living Dictionary says this about loneliness. It says, loneliness is sadness because one has no friends or company. This is how they define loneliness. It says, also another definition, the quality of being unfrequented and remote. Isolation. This is how they define it. However, I would go a little bit further. I think a better way of describing loneliness would be to say this. It's a painful sense or feeling of being unwanted, unneeded, uncared for, and maybe, quite frankly, even feeling unnecessary. All preceded by something that happens in our life that then results in this feeling I'm lonely. I, I, I can't do anything about this, this struggle that I have. I'm all alone. And so loneliness comes in many shapes and sizes, and we'll look at a few here in just a minute. But notice the sense and feeling of loneliness is what I said. It's a sense or a feeling. I am lonely. I feel lonely. Therefore, I am lonely. Loneliness can cripple our lives. I was doing some research this week on this topic it cripples our lives emotionally. Loneliness cripples our lives physically. It cripples our lives spiritually. Emotionally speaking, do you know that 80% of the people who seek psychiatric help do so, number one, because of loneliness? You wouldn't think that was the first reason to go and seek psychiatric help. But the struggle for loneliness is real. In fact, did you know that loneliness is still one of the leading causes of suicide today. Loneliness is significant. Physically speaking, loneliness shows up in our fatigue. It shows up in our loss of appetite. Loneliness shows up in overeating. What we do is we, we replace our loneliness with some habit or some addiction. And then what we turn around is physically speaking, we are a wreck. And we have no sin other than the sinful choices that we make beyond loneliness. Let me say right on the offset, and I'll say it again here in a little while. Loneliness is not a sin. Do you hear me today? Loneliness is not a sin. Now, I'll talk about how it leads to sin, but in, in, in and of itself it is not a sin. So we have to learn some things from it. Spiritually speaking, it's ironic to me. But it, spiritually speaking, when we, when we go through loneliness, what do we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency to step back and pull ourselves away from society. We, we uh, disengage with everybody that we know. And, and so we kind of, what do we do? We seclude ourselves, right? We, we, we actually, it's kind of crazy. Think about it. We're lonely, this idea of being alone. And what do we do? We seclude ourselves and we become even more lonely. In fact, in the lives of Christians, the one thing that is apparent, it's crazy to me as well, whether you're a believer or non-believer, if you're a Christian, one of, the, one of the places where God wants to use the most to strengthen you and encourage you is the one place where we back away from many times. Church attendance. Being around our brothers and sisters in Christ, the very ones who God wants to use to strengthen and encourage us, and, and yet emotionally, physically, spiritually speaking, loneliness cripples us. 
And so let's ask ourselves, and there's probably many others. Listen, this is not the final list of loneliness. But what are some of the causes of loneliness? I think, number one, one of the causes of loneliness, I suffered this in, in, as a child and in high school. It's called rejection. Anybody ever been rejected? You know? You ever been rejected in life? And what happens is we feel rejected. And so what happens is somebody rejects us in the past. We become filled with anxiety and fear. And we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And so because we have this fear, what we do because of that rejection is we back away and we stop engaging. And then we, we have a fear of re-engaging, quite frankly. And so rejection is a cause. Another cause is, is one of insecurity. Anybody ever struggle with insecurity? Man, feeling like you're not worthy to be accepted? Man, we struggle with, ins with insecurity. What we do is the same thing. We isolate ourselves. We say, well, I'm insecure. I, I, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether it's in school or in the workplace or in the home. I'm insecure. I have this thought. I have this idea. I have this belief. Even when it comes into the workplace and, and the boss says, hey, does anybody have any new ideas? You may have some great ideas, but because of your insecurity, you'll never voice them to the vice president or the president of a corporation. You'll never voice them because you're afraid of what somebody might think of your ideas. Why? Not because your ideas are poor or they're not, they're not worthy. It's because you feel unworthy. Insecurity leads to loneliness. Another, one of the major causes of loneliness is separation, sorrow, and grief. Listen, we experience... When, whenever we experience some type of long-term separation, some of you have been separated from family members for a long time, and you go through this period of feeling lonely, or maybe you experience the loss of a close friend or the loss of a loved one, and when this happens, here's what we convince ourselves with. We convince ourselves of this idea that no one, no one knows how bad I hurt. Anybody ever felt like that? No one knows how bad I hurt. No one can identify with my hurt. No one's ever been through this hurt. Nobody's, do you know what? I was thinking about it this morning in the craziest way. I was shaving this morning, just my neck. I was shaving, and uh, I was thinking about Elijah. After he had that great experience against the prophets of Baal, and then he finds out Jezebel's going to kill him, and she's going to put his head on a platter and all this stuff, and he goes and he hides in the cave. He's like, there's no one out there, God. I'm all alone. And the Lord speaks to him in that small, still voice. And he says, there's 7,000 more just like you over in Jerusalem. Get out of the cave. What are you doing in the cave? Oh, that's what we do when we're lonely. We isolate ourselves. And sorrow is a real deal. Physical separation. I put these words down. Physical separation from those that we love is painful, period. It's painful, as a child, when my mother passed away, I don't care what you say. I don't care who you've lost before. You say, well, I lost my mom when I was a child. Get over it. It's painful. When you lose a child, it's painful. When you lose a grandpa, it's painful. When you lose a brother or a sister, it's painful. When you lose a grandmother or a grandpa, it's painful. Period. But guys, with all that's in me, God doesn't ever promise us. He doesn't promise us that we'll have time where our whole life will be pain-free. It's not found in his word. 
There's no guarantee, guys. Life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away, right? There's times, there's seasons of life. There's seasons in our life where we're going to be up on the mountaintop and then there's seasons of our life where we're going to be in the midst of this stinking valley and we feel like we can't get out because nobody understands how much we hurt. Martha and Mary, you remember the story in John chapter 11, they wept and they wept and they wept because they wanted the Lord to come because Lazarus was sick. But Jesus, the disciples told him, hey, hey, he's sick. And Jesus like, yeah, we'll deal with Lazarus in a little while. And Lazarus dies. When Jesus gets there, they're weeping. They're weeping. They're like, if you would have come, he, been, he, wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have died. Jesus gets so caught up in this situation and their lack of faith and everything. He starts to weep in this situation. I think about not only Martha and Mary, I think about Paul while he's in prison. This time he's in a Roman prison. He's in a dungeon. He's not on house arrest. In 2 Timothy 4, the very last letter that he writes to, to young Timothy, and he's, he's alone. He's separated from those that he loves dearly. And in that passage, and we'll read it here in just a second, but in that passage, he says three times, come, come, when you come, bring this. I need you to come. He is alone. He is lonely. Adrian Rogers, former pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, he once declared that we all have three basic emotional needs. Here they are. He said, number one, we all have the need for someone to love and to have someone, to, and to have someone love us. Number two, we have a need for somebody to understand us and to know how we feel. And then number three, he said that we have a need for someone to need us, i.e., the need to be needed. Folks, separation, sorrow, and grief are significant life events that lead to loneliness. There's no doubt about it. What about the living the life of a self-centered life? You know, that's the life that's focused on me, myself, and I. When we live a life of pride, when we live a life of selfishness, folks, that can be a very lonely journey. Because once people understand that your life is all about you, and they look at you and they say, oh, this person thinks it's all about them. Here's what people have a tendency to do. They say, enjoy the trip. Because I ain't hanging out with you because I need a friend. Now, we know we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother in Jesus. I think that's Proverbs 18, 24. But, but I need a friend. And because I look at your life and I see that you're all about yourself, I have no need of that. And so in our very mindset of me, myself, and I, we create this, this barrier of loneliness. What about this? When we live sinful lifestyles. When we live sinful lifestyles. You say, well, what is that all about? We're all here, aren't we? Hey, we're all not without sin, though. We're here, and I'm, thank I'm thankful that we're here to worship the Lord. But when we live sinful lifestyles, quite frankly, the truth is that sin builds walls. It builds up walls. It builds up a wall between us and God. And it builds up a wall between us and our family. It builds up walls between us and our co-workers. It builds up walls between us and our neighbors and on and on. You can just keep on going. By the way, that wall that was built up began all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And it continued, you know, when Adam and Eve made that choice. And then it continues in Genesis chapter 3 when Cain 
does what he does to his brother Abel. And actually, if you know the rest of the story of Cain, he's actually driven away from God. He's driven away from his home. He's driven away from his family. Why? Because of the sinful choices that he was making. Oh, listen, sinful, sinful lifestyles can cause wedges. There's no loneliness, folks, quite as bitter as the person who professes one thing with his or her lips, but their life communicates a totally different story. Hiding the facts can be quite lonely. I remember when I was in the military, I used to hide the facts. This is before phones now have GPS trackers on them. I used to tell my wife that I had left work when I hadn't left work. Men, are you guilty of that? Ladies, are you guilty of that? I, because I was, I was so focused on getting things done. I wanted to get promoted so bad. I wanted to make a living for my family. I thought, man, if I'll just get that one promotion, if I'll just make it to E9, if, if, man, if I could just become a sergeant major, I'll have it made. I got that promotion. And I was able to retire. But I missed out on so much by selling myself over to somebody else for the sake of a promotion. Listen, I used to, used to tell her I'm one place when I wasn't. Listen, hiding the facts from our family and friends can be quite lonely. I think about this. What about the loneliness of health struggles? Been through a little bit of that myself. I know a little bit about that. I think about the passage in John chapter 5. You know the scene, everybody's at the pool of Bethesda and got all these sick people lying around the pool. You, you remember the scene in John chapter 5? And there's this one man, he's been laying there, he's, he's actually been laying at the pool for 38 years. This is a man with an infirmity. He's, in fact, the Bible calls him in the King James Version, says the impotent man. He's not important, he's impotent. He's feeble, he's got a sickness, he's got an infirmity, and he's laying there for 38 years. And in verse number 6 of John chapter 5, Jesus says, Wilt thou be made whole? And the words of this man remind me that although there were multitudes of people in that porch, in that area, around that pool, waiting and seeking to be healed, when the angels stirred the water, they were focused on, on the water instead of the living water. They were focused on the wrong thing. But all these people were gathered around. I, I'm th I think about the, the man's words in verse number 7. He says, I have no man. I'm here alone. I have no man. That when the water's stirred, somebody will put my hand in the water and I'll be healed. I'm alone. There's no way that I can be healed. And yet he laid there for 38 years. Alone. Oh, physically speaking, we go through some health struggles and we feel like we're all alone. I have no man who will take me and put me somewhere where I might be healed, where my health might be restored. Oh, loneliness comes when we try to live holy and acceptable lives in the midst of an unholy, unholy culture. And literally all of these causes, I mean, we could go on. You guys say, hey, you haven't even touched the cause that led me to loneliness. I told you it's not a complete list. But all of these causes, when I look at them, in some way, shape, or form, inevitably, they all lead to a form of isolation and solitude. So what do we do? Well, I would suggest the only thing we can do is look at Scripture. I think about others in Scripture who had struggled with loneliness. You think about Job. You think he had a loneliness issue? 
I mean, in, in chapter 1, he loses his, his children, he loses his barns, he loses his animals, he loses everything. Chapter 2, his life is stricken with boils all over his body. I mean, and his wife tells him to curse God and die. And so there's even a little bit of separation between the husband and the wife going on. And he says, hey, you're a, you speak as a strange woman. What happened to my wife? What have you done with my wife? And so we have this whole story. And you read on throughout the whole passage of Job. There's one thing I know about Job is that he knew that there was a way beyond his loneliness. In Job chapter 19, notice what he says. He says, Know now that God hath overthrown me and hath compassed me with his net. And then drop down in verse 14 of the same chapter, Job says this. He says, My kinsfolk, i.e. my family, my kinsfolk have failed. And my familiar friends, notice what he says, my familiar friends have forgotten me. Anybody ever felt like that? Anybody ever felt like your family had deserted you? They, they had literally failed you and your familiar friends, they had forgotten all about you in the midst of your struggle of loneliness? Oh, in verse number 19, if you go on down to verse 19, Job continues, he says, All my inward friends abhorred me. That word abhorred means they loathed and they detested me. He says, all my friends, they detested me. Notice what it says. And they whom I loved are turned against me. The ones that I love are actually turned against me in the midst of my suffering. But notice what Job, he had a right understanding of things because in verse number 25 of the same chapter, he says this, for I know I have confidence. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. Yes, Job understood that his loneliness was only a temporary thing. Only temporary for Job. He says, I know my Redeemer lives in our loneliness. I want to encourage you, be reminded, your Redeemer lives. He is alive today, tomorrow, and forever. We have an advocate with the Father, the man Christ Jesus. He was tempted in all points just as you and I were, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, yet he committed no sin. Oh man, what a great thought to think that our loneliness is only a temporary situation. You think about David. This is a man after God's own heart, but you think he suffered from some loneliness? I mean, he was chased by Saul, King Saul. He was, he was literally chased by his own family. He was uprooted and moved on occasion. And in Psalm 102, notice the words of, of how destitute David is. In, in, one, in Psalm 102, verse number 6, he expresses his solitude by saying these words. He says, I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. Anybody ever been to the desert? You ever see an owl in the desert? You think an owl's going to survive in the desert? This is how destitute, this is how lonely David is in this prayer. He says, I'm like an owl in the desert. He says, I watch and am as a sparrow alone on the housetop. I don't know if any of this is getting through, but truly there is no, there is no deeper sadness that comes to mind than the thought of being lonely. There's no deeper sadness than the thought that comes to mind when you and I struggle with loneliness to feel like we have no friend, to feel like no one cares, to feel like no one is concerned about what may or may not happen, whether we live or whether we die. It's unnerving. 
It's unnerving, quite honestly. This idea of loneliness. In his loneliness and affliction, David turned again and again to the one that he knew that he could trust. Much like Job in Psalm 25, 16, in his prayer, David says these words to God. He's trying to get his attention. He says, turn thee unto me. He says, listen, quit paying attention to other people. I need you to turn to me. I need you to hear me. I need you to answer me. If you go to Psalm 86, we were studying that a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night. David says, I am poor and I am needy. And those words in that passage of Psalm 86 verse 1, poor and needy mean that he was an afflicted beggar. And David says, turn to me in this passage. He says, turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me for I am desolate and afflicted. And then if you drop down just a few short verses in that same prayer to verse number 21, David ultimately, and his only, he knew that his ultimate and only hope was in God. In, 20, in verse 21, he says, Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. Why do we add preservatives to food? So that they last longer, so that they keep. David says, Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, to keep me. And then what does he say at the end of his prayer? He says, For I... Wait on thee. The answer to loneliness will not be found in Pastor Greg. The answer to loneliness will only ever be found in Jesus Christ. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he struggled with loneliness. What an agonizing story. God gives him a really exciting job to do. Go tell my people of, that I'm going to destroy them. Jeremiah's like, I'm the wrong man. He's kind of like Moses at the beginning of Jeremiah chapter 1. He's like, I'm the, you got the wrong guy for the job. And the Bible says, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, saying. I'm like, what? The word of the, that sounds terrifying. The word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came unto and put your name in place. The word of the Lord comes unto each and every one of us when we hear it declared, when we hear it preached and taught, and when we read it. And Jeremiah, he was, he was given this job to go out and, and to proclaim this awful truth, but he knew that no one would heed his call for repentance or God's call for repentance. And Jeremiah, he knew that he was a lonely voice crying out in a spiritual wilderness Oh, he was in a position of great loneliness. You know, sometimes if you lead a company, it's lonely at the top sometimes, isn't it? I don't consider ministry at the top. The one who's at the top is the one who is high and lifted up. His name is Jesus. He's the only one who sits upon the throne. But I can tell you this. In the four and a half years that I've been serving as pastor of this church, it's quite lonely. People who used to, please don't call me and ask me to do something tomorrow. People who used to like to hang out, stay with me. People who used to like to hang out with Greg and Krista, no longer call. No longer like to hang out with Greg and Krista. Now, that's not a plea for your, your sympathy or help. I'm just telling you, loneliness comes in many ways. Jeremiah 
was suffering through that loneliness. God had given him a job to do, much like God has given us a job to do. I got news for you. It's a lonely journey. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse number 2, Jeremiah basically says these words. He says that it, it, it would actually be better to go out and lodge in the wilderness than it would be to hang out with the ungodly people, his people. Paul, in his last letter to Timothy, he, he talks about this, 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 this loneliness that he's going through and on and on. But really, the greatest example of loneliness is Jesus. Our greatest example of loneliness is Jesus. In fact, Isaiah 53, verse number 3, the Bible reminds us this is prophesied. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And notice these words, and we, we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. In John 1, verse number 11, the Bible reminds us that he came unto his own and his own received him not. In fact, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you see time and time again that there are these huge crowds around Jesus, right? He's teaching, whether it's in the temple and there's a crowd around him, he's out by the lake uh, and, and there's a crowd around him, he's on the side of a mountain, there's a crowd around him. Crowds, crowds, crowds everywhere. And yet, humanly speaking, he suffered from loneliness. He suffered from loneliness. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 56, the Bible reveals that after his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says these words, all the disciples forsook him and fled. They all forsook him and fled. The crowd shouted out, Hosanna. You know, we have Palm Sunday coming up. They crowded, Hosanna in the highest. Oh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're like cheering him on. He comes riding in on that triumphant ride into Jerusalem. And they turned around in Luke 23, 20, 23 21, and they started shouting, crucify him. The shouts from Hosanna turned into shouts of crucifixion. And while on the cross dying for the sins of the world, you know this passage in Matthew 27, verse 46, Jesus himself, he's crying out in agony. And there in the end, he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In the moment that Jesus is on the cross, you understand what's taking place. He is becoming sin for us so that he could conquer sin, death, hell, and the grave. And God, who is not able to look on sin, had to turn his back on his own son. And in that moment, Jesus says, why have you forsaken me? Now you say, hold on a second. All these other times you're talking about Jesus being lonely, I said humanly speaking. See, the key to Jesus' success all throughout his earthly ministry is that he understood the Lord was with him. You say, hold on, he is Lord. He understood the Father was with him. He understood God the Father was with him every step that he took, and so he could endure loneliness. Listen, being lonely is not a sin, like I said at the beginning of this message, but I can tell you that wallowing in self-pity leads to sinful behaviors. And so we must be very careful. So what do we do? Let's wrap a little pretty bow on this. What do we do? We got to stop listening to the lies of loneliness. If you're a note taker, stop listening to the lies of loneliness. Number one, the first lie is that I am alone. 
I am alone. Loneliness means I'm alone. But I'm here to tell you that 2 Corinthians 1, 3, the Bible says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Realize that God allows seasons of loneliness not to hurt us, but to grow us. His desire is that we get better and better and better. Oh, not to hurt us. That's not his desire at all. In the struggles of some of life's most lonely times, God wants us to drive deeper into his word. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. He wants us to drive deeper, not further away. Jesus in John 15 says, You have to abide in me and I in you. If you're going to do something, you have to stay connected to me. It's time that we can draw closer and grow in our faith and reliance upon him. Oh yes, number one, I'm alone. Number two, no one understands. The lie says this, that no one understands. I'm the only one who has ever suffered like this. No one will ever understand my pain. Well, when we started this series, we said there's one who cares for you and there's one who doesn't care for you. I said that on New Year's Eve. 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour, right? So we understand there's one who doesn't care for you. And he's going to keep on telling you, you're no good. You're all alone. You're pathetic. I am. Just, just leave Jesus alone. Quit, quit worshiping him. He's not going to do anything for you. Find your strength in me. I, I have what you need. I have pleasure that will last your life. No, he has pleasure for a season. But we also know that the verse right before 1 Peter 5, 8 says and tells you and I that we can cast our care on the Lord. Why? Because he cares for us. See, there's one who doesn't care for us and there's one that, that doesn't. There's one who doesn't and there's one who does. And if, if you've been afflicted with this sorrow and sadness and sickness and otherwise and, and you're allowing the devil to have a field day in your mind and in your heart and in your life, he's winning the battle. He's winning the, deba he's winning the battle. 2 Corinthians 1, 5 and 6 in that same passage. The Bible says this, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth in Christ. And whether we be afflicted, notice it says this, and whether we be afflicted, it is for, why? For your consolation and salvation, which is effectual. That word effectual means it's effective. It's going to do something. It is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which also we suffer. Or... Whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. The point is this, whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're in the valley, it is for your consolation and salvation. It makes no difference where you find yourself this morning. Jesus Christ is the only one who can enter into our pain fully and completely. Why? Because he knows our hearts, he knows our temperaments, he knows our insecurities, he knows our fears. He knows our emotions and he knows our desires. Our Lord cares and he wants to comfort our wounded hearts, but we have to cast our care on him. Number three, number three lie, God must not be loving. 
The devil tells us that God doesn't love you anymore, that he allowed this to come into your life because you are unworthy. He's rejected you and he's no longer loving. The lie says this, that a loving God would never make me endure such a lonely ordeal. But here's the truth, folks. A loving God sent his son to the old rugged cross so that you would never, so that I would never, so that the whole world would never have to be alone again. What was the first thing God saw? He saw that man was alone. And he said, I'm going to create a helpmate for him. God sent his only son to rectify the problem on an old rugged cross so that you and I would never have to suffer from loneliness again. The third lie is that God must not be loving. Hebrews 12, 3 says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Oh, the Lord proved his love on that cross of Calvary. The last lie that we need to stay away from, quite frankly, is the lie that says, I don't have enough faith to endure this loneliness. God, I have enough faith to believe in Jesus. I have enough faith to repent of my sins and to trust Christ as my Savior, but I am too weak. I cannot endure this loneliness any longer. Listen, the lie says this, something must be wrong with my faith if if I'm struggling with loneliness. It must be a problem with my faith. My faith must be weak. I must be like those disciples when Jesus said, Oh, ye of little faith, he told his disciples, Listen, they said, why can't we heal? Why can't we do this, this work that you've sent us out to do? And he says, you're a little faith. You don't have enough faith. You need to get rid of your heart of unbelief and walk in faith. And so we say that to ourselves. But remember, Jesus said this in John chapter 16, in verse 32 and 33. Jesus said, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own. And notice what he says, And ye shall leave me, what? You're going to leave me alone. You're going to leave me again. You're going to leave me alone. But notice what he says. And yet, I am not alone because the Father is with me. And then notice what he tells him. He says, these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Folks, the Lord understood that although the disciples would abandon him in his darkest hour, that his father was going to be with him and strengthen him. I want to encourage you this morning. You may feel alone right now. You may be like, I'm so alone. I'm struggling with loneliness. But I want to encourage you. You have not been abandoned. You have not been abandoned. Jesus Christ the righteous is with you. Listen, seasons of loneliness produce qualities of endurance and strength and they grow our faith and so we're not alone. And I want to remind each and every one of us in this room, this world is not your home. You may live at such and such address in Manassas, Warrington, Hume, uh, uh, wherever, Bealton, Remington. You might live at some, some known address, but that's not your home. For the child of God, you're moving on. I'm moving on. I got good news. It doesn't matter what happens in my life with my health struggles or whatever struggles I go through. It doesn't matter because soon and very soon, I'm going to see the king. We're going to talk about him in a few weeks. Again, well, we talk about him every time we get together. But we're going to celebrate our king in a few weeks. Listen, we can overcome and escape the grasp of loneliness by reminding ourselves, like Hebrews 13 says, that our Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. 
Oh, absolutely. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 147.3 tells us that he heals the broken in heart. He binds up the wounds. In Psalm 91.15, that, that passage there encourages us by saying that he will answer us and deliver us when we call upon him. See, there's a caveat. you got to call upon him. You want him to answer, you got to speak to him. you got to talk to him. you got to ask him to deliver you. Isaiah 41.10, a very familiar uh, couple of verses of Scripture there in Isaiah 41. The Bible says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. The Lord says, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. He says, I am with thee, I will strengthen thee, I will help thee. And then he says these words, not only will I do all those things, he says, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So what do we do with all this? We have to be honest. We have to be honest enough to say, Lord, we all struggle with loneliness on occasion. And so, Lord, we need you to forgive us. If in our loneliness we have allowed ourselves to lead to sinfulness. Lord, we need you to forgive us. Not of our loneliness, because loneliness in itself is not a sin. It's what follows loneliness that plagues so many of our lives. And so we must say, Lord, I need you to forgive us where we feel, where we fail. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to fill us. Lord, we need other Christian friends that will encourage and strengthen us. Oh, Lord, we need you to do what you can do. Someone has said this, living in the house of loneliness is a choice. You don't have to live there. Living in the house of loneliness is a choice. You may not have become lonely by choice, but remaining lonely is something that you do not have to do. You don't have to remain loneliness in, in this state of loneliness. Guys, can I tell you, because we have a lot of people in the room and we all struggle with loneliness in different ways. For the person who's here that's never trusted Christ, I want to speak to you just for a second. If you have never realized that you need a Savior, I want to beg you to realize that in this moment. We're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And you say, well, I've struggled with loneliness too, even though I'm not a believer, and so how do I deal with my loneliness? You'll never deal with your loneliness apart of Christ, apart from Christ. But here I want to caution you, because the greatest loneliness you will ever face is in eternity if you don't trust Christ. The greatest loneliness you will ever face is in a place called hell. Nobody likes to talk about hell. But I learned a long time ago that doesn't change it one bit. It's just as real on March the 4th, 2018 as it was when God created it for the devil and his angels. Hell is a real place. And Jesus told that lawyer, you know lawyers, Dave, you're here, lawyers, smart guys. Jesus told that smart guy, Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Listen, we have a choice. I think about what Peter, how he admonished the people in, uh, in Acts chapter 3, verse number 19. 
Peter admonishes the people at the temple. You remember they've healed the, the lame man, you know, and everybody's like watching. They're like, what's going on? And they all start questioning. And then Peter says these words. Look, he says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. I'm begging you today, repent of your sins and be converted. Trust in the risen Savior of the world. You'll never deal with loneliness until you have a relationship with Christ. Listen, don't suffer an eternal separation, an eternal situation of loneliness without Christ. You say, well, how do I, how do, I do this? Well, it's quite simple. The beautiful thing is that God's made it simple. The Bible says, quite simply, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. Now, there, there's a lot of other passages we could talk about. God commendeth or proved his love to us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We could go to John 3:16, for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the reality is, if you don't know Christ today, the one decision that I'm asking you and I'm calling on you to make, as Billy Graham would say, receive Christ. Don't be lonely for eternity. If you're here this morning and you're already a believer, but you're struggling with loneliness, don't live there anymore. Please, I'm begging you. I can't change your circumstance, but I know the one who can. Call out upon the Lord. Ask Him to intervene in your situation and really mean it from the bottom of your heart. Surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you, not bring you down. Stop listening to stinking thinking. I tell people all the time, you got a stinking thinking problem, get five index cards and handwrite Philippians 4.8 down on that, on that card and put Philippians 4.8 everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, Philippians 4.8. You can look in your Bible and find out what it says. Oh, tells us to think on things that are true, think on things that are honest, to think on things that are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, that's what God wants us to think on. Don't allow yourself to be pulled down by thinking on negative thoughts, on things that are going to discourage you, things that are going to continue to keep you captive in this state of loneliness. Loneliness. Let's stop dealing with it while we still have the time. We can be overcomers, but only with Christ. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.